It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Fantasy Baseball League veteran and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. So that's a true story, fantasy baseball. I am in a fantasy baseball league that I started and then gave it over to somebody else to run, but I started the league in the spring of 1986. My freshman year of college started a fantasy baseball league, and it's still going. And there are 20 guys, and a a bulk of them have been in it for decades. And I'm a part of it. And just a little factoid about me that you may not care about, but um, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, I am into it, people. And uh, a lot of fun. I am reasonably successful at it uh but um some of the some of the competition we have in those is is fun okay but this is not why you tuned into the podcast that is not why you listen but if you ever want to talk fantasy baseball fantasy football uh, i'm your guy uh but what we do want to talk about today is a question that got brought up by a coach and it's he asked the question, and honestly, I realized I've never really talked about it except in workshops that we do, which, by the way, you should get us to campus to do one for your athletic department. But in those workshops, I'll often get asked about international athletes, or we'll have one-off conversations with coaches about international athletes. And the reason maybe I haven't talked about it a lot is because it only applies to certain sports. And in these kind of venues, like the podcast or the the blog or Honey Badger Recruiting, we sometimes focus on things that would apply to every coach. Well, international recruiting is something that applies to a couple of different sports. Um, you're talking about you know track and field, volleyball, uh, basketball, increasingly um, tennis, golf. You're you're talking about some of the sports that uh, do have the ability to draw from other countries, other nationalities, soccer being one. And I know I'm leaving some out, but I'm just letting you know that there's there's a good healthy amount that do recruit internationally. But even then, sometimes a, you know, a coach in one of those sports may recruit internationally and a coach that's in their conference uh, does not. So a lot of it comes down to philosophy and contacts and everything else. But when you're recruiting internationally, some different rules do apply, and I had a tennis coach that texted, or I'm sorry, emailed us and wanted to get some information about international athletes uh, and that process, and he asked a couple of questions, and I want to go over those, answer those questions for him, but along the way, answer it for any of you who might be doing international recruiting, and even if you don't, Stick around because I'm going to be straight into the point with this. I don't think the podcast episode, this episode anyway, is going to go extremely long. But uh, there are some very simple rules to follow. There There are some very distinct differences that apply to international athletes that I think don't apply to regular run-of-the-mill student-athletes here in the U.S. And it might be interesting for you to understand the difference uh, because you never know when you're going to recruit internationally or what you could apply uh, to U.S. athletes in what we're going to talk about. So uh, I'm going to just go right to the question that um, that this re- that this coach uh, threw at me, <clears throat> and I might reword some of the questions or add a little bit more 
to a question, maybe a two-part question, but I want to run through the questions because they are very, very typical of what coaches need to know when they are recruiting internationally, and that's what I want to make sure applies to you. If it does, I want to give you the uh, the best information possible. So let's start at the top. And his question, the, the first of three questions that he asked is, what is the perspective of international athletes, especially on the concept of just making a commitment? And here is one of the big things that I have seen in 20 years of watching and helping college coaches recruit athletes internationally. First of all, I would say there are a couple of standard rules that applies across sports, across boundaries, international uh, you know, locations and everything that, that apply to, uh, to, to most situations. First of all, when you are recruiting internationally, this process will move much faster than the typical recruiting process with a U.S. athlete. Now, I say typically, uh, just that's going to apply differently to different sports depending on when you recruit them and when you start the conversation. But that is something that is uh, is pretty much a hard, fast rule that this process is going to move faster. Uh, why is that? Well, because they aren't going to take as long, comparison shop, uh, and and sometimes they get started later in the process than their typical U.S. counterpoints counterparts who will start typically earlier. And so the first thing that you need to understand is that this process is going to move fast, which means you don't have as much flexibility or padding in terms of time to get things done, things to talk about, the big parts of your story to connect with them. That's all going to have to happen rather quickly compared to the U.S. athlete that you might be committing. So that's first. Uh, the, the first rule that I would say is, is in play 99% of the time is that it's going to move faster. The second thing, and I think this is fascinating, and it really just goes to show you how much branding takes place in the eyes of a U.S. athlete versus an international athlete when it comes to college athletics, the NCAA, is that when you recruit internationally – and you ask that recruit, so who else are you looking at? Who else are you hearing from or you're considering? And they'll say, you know what? I'm looking at this Division II school out in California, the D3 from Minnesota. I'm looking at a Division I school in Texas and uh, two other schools in Florida. And there is no rhyme or reason. There are no conference allegiances. There are no... Uh, picks based on how well the school's football team did the year before, um, size, weather, it's all out the window. What we hear so often from international athletes that we get to talk to is that when they are looking at making this move and going from their country into the U.S. for, uh, for training, is that they look at it as I am as the student athlete quote, going to the U.S. to compete collegiately uh, in my sport, unquote. In other words, they're looking at the big landmass and saying, that's where I'm going to be, and they're not looking at all of the regional differences necessarily. They're not necessarily looking at, again, conferences, division levels. It's going to be based on uh, who's showing interest and what the possibilities are. And if you flip-flopped it, it would be, the same thing that if a U.S. athlete was going to, let's say, they wanted to go play soccer in England, um, and that 
you know, there's there's different colleges and different um, entities in England that where you might have the chance to do that. A U.S. athlete may not be as concerned with what town, what region, what league, what conference they play in uh, on the uh, in England. They're going to say, "I'm going to go play soccer in England," and the idea of soccer in England to them might be really uh, attractive because of the history of high-level soccer in England, as an example. So the same mindset is being done uh, on the part of the athletes that are international looking to come to the U.S., which means that if you're a school and a coach that coaches a program that maybe uh, doesn't have a football team on campus or is smaller than some of the other uh, uh, possibilities that that athlete is looking at, unlike a U.S. athlete who might look at you and say, oh, well, you're Division Two or you're Division One, but you're in a conference that's less than these other Power Five conferences, or you're at a Power Five school, but you finished uh, sixth in your conference last year. All that goes out the window, and what they are going to be looking at are the possibilities to come and go to school and play their sport at the school that maybe you coach at, even if it's not a premier school, which does make it different than a lot of the other recruiting situations that you might be looking at um, competing in with a U.S. athlete. Add to that fact that the parents of an international athlete don't tend to be as involved in the process as a U.S. parent. Now, I know some college coaches like that when they recruit internationally. Much faster process, much simpler. They're talking mainly to the athlete. It's important to understand that there isn't the need to pay as much attention and develop as much of a relationship with the parents, uh, especially compared to a U.S. athlete. What I would advise is that you reach out, not assuming that every parent of an international athlete is going to act and react the same, because at the end of the day, their son or daughter is still coming overseas to compete athletically and get their degree, go to school. They're going to be away from home. You as the coach need to open up and ask that family, ask that parent what questions they have. And if they do have Questions, or if you do sense that that parent is going to be highly involved and it is going to be hard to let go and have their student athlete come to the U.S. to compete for you at your college, you do need to spend time with them. But on the whole, we don't see parents of international athletes playing the same role in the decision that their U.S. counterpart parents would be playing. Uh, the other thing that is different, though, about an international athlete and their perspective is that they will often rely on, in fact, most of the time rely on an outside advisor or coach to help them make the decision. So many of you that recruit internationally, you probably have a couple of different sources, whether that's a team, a club, uh, a coach in that particular country that you have a relationship with that can act as a funnel and a pipeline over to you athletes that they are thinking might be good fits or that are willing to go overseas to compete at the U.S. college level. Uh, so you will have, in the place of a parent, a advisor, a coach over there that is going to um, usually help um, make the decision or at least advise the athlete into which decision uh, he or she feels is best for them. So in that case, you do need to make sure that the uh, the athlete uh, feel, make sure that you, that you are communicating well with the athlete 
and that what you communicate with the athlete is then communicated with the coach. Keep them very much in the loop because we want them on our side if we're going through this um, uh, this process. So when this coach that emailed me, we're still in the first question here, of the perspective and the approach of international athletes, especially when it comes to making a, a concept of making a commitment, um, one of the details that the coach that wrote me put in the email was this, due to not visiting, telling how much an athlete is shopping versus they're actually ready to commit is really difficult. And also due to some athletes' lack of understanding of the process here in the U.S., I struggle with not leading an athlete on as well as knowing what to ask an athlete. So part of this gets to be centered around this idea and discussion of timelines and deadlines which you can go back through, um, if you're a subscriber to the podcast, you know we've got a lot of past episodes on timelines and deadlines, so I'm not going to get into that in detail here. You can read up on on our philosophy and our approach to timelines and deadlines. What you do do need, if you're recruiting an international athlete, to discuss with them and outline for them is what the process is and how long you they have to go through that process typically. One thing that we have found out firsthand in the client work that we do with programs that recruit internationally at some schools is that whoever, whichever school that international prospect is, is, uh, is looking at, whichever school takes them through the process first, the fastest with the least amount of hurdles in place, Usually, not all the time, but usually is the school that ends up getting the commitment. So it is incredibly important for you to find international athletes early, be the first to start taking them through the process, define what that process is, and make sure that that you finish first in that. Um, really important because unlike a U.S. athlete, for example, that might be willing to wait for whatever that next level school is ahead of you and uh, play you through the process and delay and just drag their feet or, hey, coach, I need more time. There's these two other schools that just popped onto the radar. International athletes are less likely, far less likely to do that in the process. And usually because the goal is, remember, I'm going to go and compete in the U.S. and get a college degree in the United States I'm going to take the first option available. They're not going to be uh, apt to drag their feet or uh, or play you versus another school as much as a U.S. athlete would. It's just not a part of their process. They don't have maybe the understanding or the context that a U.S. athlete does of all the little idiosyncrasies and, and layers to what differentiates a Division One school from a Division Three school, for example, an international athlete is going to really center around your timeline, what do they need to do, um, can they do it, and that then will usually, just by from the process, uh, lead them towards making that commitment. Tudor University has been the standard for advanced training and education for college coaches who want to truly learn to recruit effectively. And now it's all new. The latest techniques, the newest trends, and how coaches need to change their approach with this class of recruits. For ongoing education that will help you run a better program, go to dantutor.com and click on the Tudor University button to see why coaches everywhere have trusted it for more than a decade. And now, back to the show. Um, Are there... 
intricacies and exceptions to what I just went over, athlete to athlete. Of course, yeah, and not, not all international athletes are the same. But what I just outlined is a good core understanding of what makes them different in the recruiting process compared to a U.S. athlete. So hopefully that answers the first question of their perspective that they take when they're getting ready to and leading towards making a commitment. Question number two that he asked is this, how do I best differentiate with the athlete between an offer and what is available? And he adds this detail. I feel like with international students, since money is oftentimes the first point of conversation, discussing with them what is possible versus what's actually being offered can be difficult. Uh, This can also factor into having a timeline as some will wait to take tests until they know what is required of them. So a little bit of the process here playing out. Um, They're going to wait to do things based on what they need to do. But of course, when it comes to an offer and the cost of the school, sometimes they have to take the test. They have to do these, jump through these hoops before the school and you as a coach could tell them exactly what is required from an entrance standpoint, as well as what are they going to qualify for in terms of money to come to college, whether that's a Division One athletic scholarship or something at uh, another level where academic money might come more into play. So look, here's the, the simple answer to this is you as the coach have to communicate up front what the process is going to be. Uh, you have to take the time to make sure at the first point of conversation to explain here's what this is going to entail, that we're interested in you, Here's what we like about you. Verify that from an athletic standpoint. But now after that, we really have to jump into the process, which is multi-layered and more complicated than a typical U.S. athlete coming into the uh, discussion. So uh, this coach in the question pointed out right away that they want to talk about in the first point of conversation money. Why is that? Well, because guess what, coach? It's going to be fairly expensive for them to come as an international student to come and compete for you on your campus. And rightfully so, the parents want to find out how much does it cost. We're starting to talk a lot about this, as many of you know, on the U.S. side because the same urgency and the same uh, um, red flags are popping up for regular U.S. student-athletes on the money side. Um, as we go through the fall of 2022, as we've talked about in some different forums, um, the economy is a little uncertain. You have higher inflation. Costs for things have, have jumped way up very, very quickly. And for this particular class and the parents of the student-athletes in this class, paying for college is more of a question now than it was a couple of years ago or a decade ago or two decades ago. And so you as the coach and the school certainly are going to have to have an open attitude towards having a conversation as early as possible about money. That's true for U.S. athletes. It's certainly true for international athletes. So let them know what the possibility is, what the maximum is, but then also maybe an average of what their student-athletes get and here's here's a bare minimum. If if you had all three of those possibilities, that's how I would outline it. But then stress to them that you can get them more information and you can get them better information, more detailed information, after they start going through this process. So 
The first point here is answer their questions about money. At least be willing to discuss it, even if you can't as a coach at your particular school in your particular division level or conference, if you can't discuss uh, that uh, in detail, at least have the discussion about what their questions are, making sure you know what those questions are, uh, and letting them talk to you about what their concerns are, what their budget is, and that way you can take it back to um, your your folks on campus to help you with that. Um, so basically, I want you to to understand that for most topics like this that are uncomfortable or a little bit nerve-wracking for you to talk about, the solution to get past them and the solution to move the process forward is communication on your part. You have to be willing to talk about it because you know what, Coach? They're looking at you as admissions and their coach and financial aid and their academic advisor. They, at the start of the process, are looking for you to be the one-stop shop. So I don't want you to be the coach that says, wait, I can't talk about that or I don't know the all the answers to that, so I'm going to have you talk to this person. Please don't do that at the start. Please be willing to just have a conversation. Even if you can't give them the detailed information back, let them talk to you. You give examples of what you've seen athletes do, explain the process, the timeline, and that will help at least facilitate the process to move forward faster than if you do it the other way, which is only answer a couple other questions and then and then uh, send them off to other departments, other people on campus. That's what I would advise against. Try to keep as much of it in-house as possible. In-house meaning in your office. Um, and when it comes to uh, specifics, they have to go through the process to then get the answers from your campus and, and other individuals on campus. Uh, as the coach mentioned, again, is the last part of the answer to question number two, uh, all of this, he says, can factor also into having a timeline and maybe the difficulties surrounding that. Coach, you still have to maintain and define a timeline for them of what this process looks like. Get their buy-in that if this timeline plays out the way you've outlined it, that that's acceptable to them uh, so that they have some idea uh, and a feeling that you're a destination school, that you are a coach that's interested, but you're not going to wait forever. I think that's very important to establish, primarily because with an international athlete, they want to go to a place, and this is something that they tell us, they want to go to a place and go for a, go to a coach that is a destination school that other athletes want to play for. That's one of the indicators for them that they should want to play for you and compete for you. So make sure that that timeline's in place. And again, we've got a lot of other training uh, over at dantutor.com on the blog, as well as in this podcast series that you can go back and listen to and get more um, more information on how to establish a deadline and a timeline and what goes into that and what is the fair and right way to do that that gets the best results for you. And so the last question is from this coach, what is the role of an agent slash coach and what relationship should I as a coach try to, to develop with an agent? So as we talked about at the start, the, the, the big thing I want you to understand is that for international athletes, most of the time, an agent or their coach, their personal trainer, whatever the, the definition is, that outside non-family entity is taking the place of a parent in this relationship that you have with them in the recruiting process. 
the parent of international students will often hand over the student athlete and that you know that advisory role over to a coach because of course the thinking is they've done this we trust the coach and they're not going to put my son my daughter in a situation that would be would be bad so what i need you to do as the coach is to go with uh, into this this whole process with the understanding that the international student is looking at the advisor in the same way that they would look for advice from a parent. Um, I would argue that one of the challenges you're going to have is that uh, for those of you that recruit and and recruit with high school and club coaches or personal coaches here in the U.S. involved in this situation, what is the main struggle that you find in that? Well, most coaches would say that if I was recruiting and needing a club coach to uh, kind of give the okay to that, but I'm at a Division II school. What does that division? What does that that um, club coach want out of the uh, the process? Oftentimes, it's I want my athlete here at my club to go to the highest possible school in terms of division level because that makes the club look good. That's going to look better on the website than that Division II school or the mid tier Division One compared to a Power Five Division One or a Division Three or NAIA. That's one of the struggles and challenges that coaches in the U.S. have, whether they're recruiting internationally or not, in recruiting a club coach and having them involved, the same challenge is going to be in place for an international student and a coach that is recruiting that international student. You're going to have to justify why your school is going to be the best situation, which means, coach, you're going to have to do more than just call them on the phone or text them. You're going to have to spend time in the same way that we advise you recruiting a student athlete, you're going to have to recruit that coach internationally who may not know very much about you, or even worse, in some cases, what they do know about you is not flattering. Uh, They've seen your facility online, and that's not a plus. They understand your division level isn't the highest. Uh, Maybe you're a newer coach, or maybe you're a coach who has been at a program, but you haven't won a conference title in a while. Um, you maybe it's at a program that is Division One that has won in the past, but um, you haven't sent many kids on to the Olympics or whatever the next level is uh, in their in their sport. That would be a draw for that that international coach to want them to compete for you. And I think you get what I'm saying here is that you're going to have to spend time with that agent, that coach, that personal coach, developing the relationship so that they see you as somebody that is trustworthy to take custody uh, of that student-athlete and possibly then send them back to their country as a better athlete so that they could compete internationally. We have worked with a lot of programs in a lot of different sports where um, we help a coach recruit an international athlete, and they come in, and the goal for that, uh, for that, that program is – they are expecting that student athlete to come back and compete for that their national team uh, in the Olympics or in international competitions. And so, can you demonstrate that to the coach that um, you've uh, you've got that uh, you, you've got that possibility? So, that's just something to keep in mind. Agents and those personal and, and private coaches internationally do play a role. They take the the spot of the parent much of the time. 
uh, and you need to develop a relationship that they have. So is that an exhaustive list of questions for international athletes? No. Um, does it get you started? I would think it does. If you remember the core things that we went over in, in number one, in question number one at the beginning of the podcast, uh, about how they make the commitment and what their perspective is going into the recruiting process as an international athlete, you can usually then format that to your specific um, instance and, and situation. If you have follow-up questions or questions about anything about recruiting in general, this is what we're here for, Coach. As you're listening to this, understand I'm responding to an email and I'm sharing it with all of you, but I'm responding because this coach asked this question. So if you have questions, email me, dan at dantutor.com. You can go to Twitter and follow there as well and, and message me there at dantutor, D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R. And you can go to the website, dantutor.com. We have a lot of information and resources there for any coach, whether you're recruiting an international athlete or not. Um, but we are here to help. That's what this podcast is really designed to do, is to help coaches become better recruiters, become dominant recruiters. And by the way, if we can help you do that, we would love to add you to our client list. Uh, you can go and look at the recruiting section at dantutor.com. It goes into some detail there, but I'm happy to answer individual questions on that as well because we love working with coaches. We have been doing it for now nearly two decades, and we think we're pretty dang good at it because of the research that we do. And all the information that I just gave you on these international athletes, it comes from the research and focus groups that we do when we get to sit down and talk with international athletes. So I hope it helped. hope it gave you the, the primer to begin building out your own philosophy and your own strategy. Because when you go into a recruiting situation with a strategy and a plan, everything turns out better, whether it's an international athlete or a U.S. athlete. So that's going to wrap up this episode, Coach. Really glad that you listened, and we will be back with more. So keep listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh. Oh.